Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Fantasy Doctors, we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news. Our first injury of the day actually broke his back last week. I want Lionel Messi healthy. I want Suarez healthy. Fam, fam. Mo Salah is beasting. I want Ronaldo healthy. I want the whole squad healthy. Seven La Liga title in a span of 10 years. That basically to me, that means he was concussed. He was knocked out. There was absolutely no competition. We're your hosts, physical therapy students, Andy and Berg. And welcome to the Fantasy Doctors Soccer Podcast. Welcome, guys, to another special edition of the Fantasy Doctors Soccer Podcast. We are here back with Erica Suter, as promised part two of our interview of the amazing strength coach that she is, uh, Berg and Erica both. How are you doing today? Feeling good. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of late. I'm, hungry. I'm not going to lie. How are you doing, Erica? <laughs> I'm hungry as well, and I'm also a little wired. <laughs> okay. Just been a long day, but I'm very wired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, let's start it off for our listeners who maybe weren't in tune with our last podcast or maybe forgot some things. Um, you are a strength and conditioning coach. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why strength and conditioning is important for soccer players? Yeah, uh, I work with uh, youth athletes uh, ages eight to college level, and I do technical skills training and strength and conditioning, and I try to combine the two as much as possible. Um, but I'm becoming more and more focused on the strength and conditioning side of soccer just because I feel it improves every part of the game. Um, from a technical standpoint, it makes kids shot stronger, um, ability to perform 1v1 moves quicker, um, and ability to jump for head balls, hold off defenders, accelerate, make diagonal runs. Um, and then from an injury prevention standpoint, it just reduces chance of ankle, knee, hamstring injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's, it's super important that kids start focusing on, on this stuff. It's, it's a huge mistake if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And you, we, we also have a question about you and your online platform. Um, you have yes. an incredible website, an incredible blog, and you also do online training. So one, how did you kind of get into that space? And two, how do you keep your online clients motivated? And how does that differ from in-person training? Mm-hmm. So I, I usually prefer in-person um, just because I, it's more hands-on. I can see exactly what's going on. I can coach and correct technique on the fly and also there's that human component where I can really connect with someone and, and become like their best friend <laughs> um, I think everyone it kind of needs that and I think sometimes like the kids I coach like I'm sometimes the best part of their day they just want to work out and 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 be in a fun environment 
Um, but with, with the online stuff, I, I recently just got into it this year, uh, just because I had been blogging for three years and I finally had the readership that I wanted to be able to reach more people with my programs and, and my knowledge. And the, the way I keep my online clients motivated is I check in with them almost as much as if you're seeing me in person. Um, so the people who train with me in person are with me anywhere from two to four times a week. So if someone's with me online, I'm checking in with them pretty much every week. It's not just like I'm giving a program and I'm just saying, Oh, good luck. Like talk to you never. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm having those check-ins and if I'm working with an athlete who's new to strength training, I have them send me videos with their form, especially on the bigger lifts, like deadlifts, squats, pull-ups I'm very picky with, So and plyometrics, how to jump in and land. So just making sure they're doing all that safely. I, I think online coaching uh, tends to get like a, a cookie-cutter approach where people just mm-hmm. blast out programs and don't really pay attention to who they're working with. And for me, I, I want to make sure it, it's – customized and it's also personalized and honestly I don't work with that many people because the people that I do work with I want to be able to give them my undivided attention okay great 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 Barry do you have any thoughts on that whole statement right there no no I I I like it it's just um I've seen and that I've seen people fall into that rabbit hole with online program where they just ditch out program and, and don't have the, the, the weekly check-in. And then that's one way to keep players and, um, you know, your client accountable as well. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you tell them, hey, you're going to check, um, check, check in with them once a week, you know, that kind of get them motivated to actually, you know, do the workout and, and, and you know, uh, apply whatever they're learning from that, that, that program that you have into, into whatever they're doing. So I think the, the ch- weekly checking in, and that's actually the first time I've heard someone says, you know, um, they have the client send them videos of, um, of them mm-hmm. training so they can do movement analysis, which can be yeah. time consuming. That's why most people don't do it. Yeah. Um, I think for the, the movements that I feel are more technical, um, like the deadlift, for example, that's one I definitely would want to see a video of. Okay. Um, so it's, it's important to be able to see what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I feel like soccer players, including myself when I was younger, we focused almost entirely on leg workouts, right? Um, but we actually have a question here from one of my listeners, TOTY572, says, um, do you condition the upper body for soccer players and why and how? Oh, my gosh. I This is such a great question. <laughs> I've written a couple articles on this, but the upper body is just as important, if not more. Um I'm doing a lot of posterior work, so a lot of, of back work, um, just because in terms of uh, improving speed, the the athletes need to have strong backs so that they can extend their arms fully when they're running. Um, and 
just from uh, the so- more of a soccer specific standpoint, just being able to hold off defenders and and have more more muscle mass on them. Um, <laughs> I'm even do- doing a lot of bicep curls with my athletes um, just so that they actually they look like they lift and they they gain more muscle mass. So it's definitely important to condition the upper body this is not just a lower body sport if you think it's a lower body sport then get get the hell out of here (laughs) (laughs) there's no no way you know how many people i shove doing pickup and doing tournament (laughs) by the way it's gonna be my next instagram post (laughs) yes there we go and also I, i forgot to mention from a like a postural standpoint a lot of players have like like slouch posture and just being able to open that up and get their back strong helps with their sprinting mechanics um and and also like like good posture just helps you to walk on the field with confidence there's like a mental component to it as well so upper body we are always getting after it in my sessions (laughs) yeah and just just to talk about the game a little bit more here and for maybe the strength coaches who are out there listening that aren't in tune with the whole soccer world. I mean, the rule says we can't use our hands, but we push each other a lot. There's a lot of pushing. There's a lot of holding. There's a lot of posting up. I mean, there, there's a lot that needs to be considered for in upper mobility and upper strength training. Just look at the game today. Diego Costa pushed the defender like two feet away from him just to have that little space so he can put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a physical sport. It's a physical sport. And we need to approach training in a way that makes our total bodies more durable. That's really what it comes down to. Like, can our bodies withstand the forces in a 90-minute match? Mm-hmm. That is the whole, that is the whole, man, no point. Capacity, man. Building That's that it. cup. That's what it is. Make that cup strong. Yeah, exactly. It's a good I like that analogy a lot. We have another question here from Jesus919 says, how do you improve um, sprinting speed? Mm, I like that one. Do, do you know how many times I've gotten this question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, parents ask me all the time. And I, I am so tempted to just write an entire dissertation on it. Because I probably could. <laughs> um, so, one – Build your strength, um, especially with the posterior chain. So uh, hamstrings, glutes, because they play a role in, in maximal sprinting. And develop your power. So being able to produce force fast. So do nice. your plyometrics, your Olympic lifting, medicine ball slams, your jumps. Um, developing your coordination. And I, I would say just do your sprints in general. I think – soccer players aren't getting enough full sprint work in. We're doing too many small-sided games in practice where we're not reaching top speeds. And and that might slow us down. So I think coaches should ask themselves, are the drills I'm doing getting my players into a full-on 30 to 40-yard sprint where players are reaching – maximal hip flexion and extension and and arm mechanics like i and i would program this stuff off season in season preseason get you got to get your sprints in it's it's funny that you said that because i was listening to a podcast 
about um, strength and conditioning in soccer. And the guy was saying that, you know, players don't spend in season, they don't spend any time at all practicing just straight up sprint training. Is that like coach mm-hmm. coaches need to have that into the that the, the, um their planning just once a week you know for like you know fifteen yes. twenty minutes just do a hard forty yard dash sprint because you know how do you that's the one thing that you should be doing in order for you to well not the only thing but it it goes a long way in terms of preventing um, hamstring strain. Because what are you doing? You yes. put stressors on the hamstring, right? To train the hamstring to sustain contraction in a long sprint, long sprint. And this is usually what happened, Andy. You can tell about this. Like we watch a lot of soccer, and we see this all the time. Players always get injured doing a like a thirty-yard sprint right after they finish the thirty-yard sprint, and then they yeah. hold it the back of their leg because they don't practice that enough during in-season. That's yeah. And and I'm sure you guys know more about the, like the injury side of it. Like when you're not getting those spritz in, you're much more susceptible to these hamstring strains. Like you said, when you do, when come competition time, you do your first sprint in the game and it's like, shit, like the hamstrings are like, wait, I, I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Um, and you guys can speak to that more than I can, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just going back to what you and Berg said, it's all about putting load on the muscles. Exactly. And we need to condition for that before the season even starts because once, like, like you know, once the season starts, it's kind of like a free-for-all. We'll just take what we get versus in before the season starts in preseason – you can kind of take the time to put your body under certain loads and have the time to recover before you start the season and you have practices and games and all that. that yeah. True. Yeah. And I, I think going back to um, like the in-season argument is it's good to get at least one, even just one time a week, just maximal sprints, 30 to 40 yards. Um I tend to be a little bit more aggressive in my approach. I might be doing that two times a week in season, um, depending on how many games are played during the weekend. But it's it's so important from an injury prevention standpoint, but also from a performance standpoint, because if you watch the game of soccer, most of the goals are scored off of fast breakaways, yes. or like whether that's diagonal runs um an outside midfielder taking the ball down the wing and crossing it or a counter attack so it's important to keep our players fast yeah i feel like especially in youth soccer there there's a lot of emphasis on a lot of long cardio sessions right a lot of (laughs) go run for 30 minutes to an hour i'm gonna go sit inside for a little bit and when i come out we'll stop you but Nobody scores a goal <laughs> yeah. after running two, three miles straight at, you know, an eight to mile pace. You score on a counter, you score on a free kick or off a set piece or something like that when you're really um, using your explosive energy systems. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's funny because th- so many of my players have told me, yeah, I just went for like a two-mile jog, and I'll just look at them, Why? 
that's funny. And then they're like, uh, um, and then I tell them what we all just talked about and they're like, oh, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> so, um, again, it's just like the soccer community, we're, we've come a long way, but there, there's still people that need to be informed. And that's what we're all here for at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. And going over to the other side of it, you probably get this question a lot too. Um, another follower that I have, Ali Rarabi, wants to know, what should I do if I want to improve my stamina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so any anything that's interval training, um, Tabata to, to work has – has been proven uh, to improve stamina. So doing What's 20 minutes or 20 seconds of hard running and 20 second rest or 10 second rest, um, repeated sprint ability. So ability to um, sustain a sprint uh, for a long period of time. Um, so anything that's tapping into the anaerobic endurance system will help to improve stamina. I think a lot of us are getting caught up in these uh, like four mile runs. Um, Yeah, that's good for endurance, but for the demands of soccer, we want to be able to sustain high intensity runs for a long period of time. And and that's, you know, it's a 90 minute game. (laughs) Yeah. And another question from another follower, Timmy Reed wants to know how much do you focus on nutrition? Is it important? And if so, what tips do you have for um, improving nutrition and strength and conditioning? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So recently I've been focusing more on nutrition um, only because I feel it affects, it definitely affects how players perform. Um, if they eat McDonald's before practice, they're, they might be dragging. Uh, oh, if God. they eat healthy carbohydrates and whole foods before practice they're they're not dragging they're more focused they have more energy and they just feel better about themselves so i've just started to educate my athletes a little bit more um but it's definitely a slow process i think nutrition is so much more about behavior change than anything and it definitely doesn't happen overnight um so i think it's really informing and and also leading by example i i eat a lot in front of my players because i'm coaching all day and i eat apples and they're like oh coach erica's eating apples and i'm like yeah like you should do (laughs) so just (laughs) i have like my little tricks of getting people to buy in (laughs) the whole nutrition thing is is tough it is tough it's it, it has a lot of emotion you know, ties to it, cultural ties to it. It's, it's hard to get people to, you didn't get people to work out like all year long, but to get them to eat well for a full year. Oh yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that especially in high school athletes. Cause I remember when I was in <laughs> high school, I actually got cut. I didn't make the team, but, oh. <laughs> but he, let me tell you a little bit why. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you got a little bit something to do with that. Um, before, <laughs> before practices, I used to every practice. This used to happen a lot. I get a big ass bowl of pasta. I'm talking like, <laughs> and I would fill it with pasta and chicken, and I eat the whole thing. And I'm like, all right, it's time to hydrate. I'm going to soccer, so I chug maybe like a liter, a liter and a half in water, 
boom, hop oh in the car, gosh. oh my practice. God. And everyone's like, Andy, why are you so slow? Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I just ate. I just drank a lot of water. I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm just a slow guy. And you know, that went on for God knows how long. And yeah, if there was just someone there like you to kind of say, hey, maybe, you know, have a salad before practice instead of eating a big bowl of pasta. And hey, maybe you should hydrate throughout the whole day rather than chug an algae before practice and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, um, Eric, what, what, what works for you? I mean, um, I mean, you used to be a player. I mean, I'm pretty sure you still play because you. I saw on the website that you 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 do the semi-pro league, correct? Um, I so I did that a couple years ago, but I mean, even when I'm not playing, I'm just trying to. I train hard. Like I still train. Like I'm training for soccer. Um, I consider myself like a lifelong athlete. So I'm like eating. I'm eating my carbs. I'm. I'm fueling up so that I can train better and have more energy for it. Um, I think a lot of people like tend to demonize carbs and the benefit of them. And I just think they're great for energy, especially for how much soccer players are expending after like a 90 minute game or a practice. But overall I eat well. I mean, I'm, I'm eating a lot of like rice bowls and and chicken and fresh produce. Um, but you know, I, I'm a human being. I'll, I'll eat cookies every now and then, uh, just to take the edge off. And just cause I enjoy it. I try not to limit myself too much, but I don't try to overdo it with the junk food. I, I just want to eat so that I'm, I'm feeling good, um, when I'm working and just when I'm training on my own. See, Eric, I was very fortunate not to like any of that stuff cookies junk food i don't i i don't i don't like any of those stuff so i, I was good i'm kind of blessed that you know i don't have to deal with you know those kind of like not triggers what what's the word that i'm looking for here like cravings yeah those cravings i don't get those cravings but my problem is portion yeah, yeah. i don't do portion control well. <laughs> like <laughs> if we cook like that i'm eating from the pot that's how bad <laughs> <laughs> Berg, I think I got both those problems, man. I got some issues. Well, you guys are in PT school, so that's hard. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Just like you said, um, like people are busy people, and you know what? If you're gonna make time for one thing, it should be your own body, and you should be taking care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we actually got a question here from a soccer coach. Um, name is Jane Eggy. And they want to know, what are the best exercises for my smaller boys who need to hold their own against bigger players? That's a, that's a good mm-hmm. question. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, it's always tough for the, the shorter guys. But uh, so for them, they need to use their agility to their advantage. So exercises like... Um, just like hip mobility stuff, uh, lateral lunges, anything, anything lateral movement or like in the transverse plane, rotational stuff, um, and just core stability, being able to hold off the bigger guys. So your planks, your dead bugs, your pal presses, anything that makes their core more resistant to that force. Um, I don't think the smaller guys should get discouraged because there's, there's so many ways they can, they can use, uh, like their agility and, and their technical skills to their advantage. Yes. 
that, that's that was me as a kid yeah it's it's it was, tough <laughs> it was me i never had to worry though because i was faster than everybody else <laughs> so they never, made, they never made contact with me anyway <laughs> that's good though <laughs> i was the opposite like i was always pretty tall and like even right now i'm six two and when i'm playing wow. pickup i'm not like i'm not like a huge dude but like you know i'm a pretty big dude and I love playing against smaller players, especially on like free kicks and set pieces because I kind of have my way with them. But the other day I was playing a game and I was playing center back and I was playing against a uh, center forward who was six, four, maybe two forty, two fifty, mm. And mm. I looked at him. I was like, shit, how do I cover you? Like I've never been in this situation before. So yeah. I think it's even important for, coaches to tell their players that okay even though yeah you're a big dude on this team one day you're gonna play against someone that's even bigger and you need to be ready for it because he's gonna take advantage of you yeah yeah and and I think like um for the smaller guys like they also have to realize like hey like I might not be like the strongest or like fastest guy on like a straight run. Like my role on this team is different. Maybe I'm the playmaker. Maybe I'm the the, the dribbler. Um, so I feel every player has their own role. Like not everyone's gonna be like a messy. Like that would be boring. Like you need like your messy. You need um, your Marcelo. Um, you need Ronaldo. Like everyone has their own role. So I don't think people should get discouraged on like you know the body that they're born with um, or stuck with. Yeah, it's all about making your body works for you. Look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's like six five. But he's still a great player. I love him. <laughs> love him. Yeah, he does some pretty crazy. Yo, he does some pretty well. crazy flicks. Oh, his, if you want to get better at strength and conditioning, follow his Instagram. He does some great stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to sell me underwear, and then I'm not trying to buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going back to youth soccer for a second, let's kind of zoom out on the whole youth soccer um landscape a little bit what do you think is missing from youth soccer in general that will take maybe the united states in general to the next level on the world stage oh my gosh that's such a hard question i mean there there's a lot of stuff that we can improve i mean there's a lot that we're doing right but i I really think the just like the creativity yes um, we're just feel like the the coaching is just so structured and I've been through like the coaching license courses and I feel it's they were super helpful for me but I just didn't feel like they focused enough on creativity and just you know letting kids play and how to inspire creativity from them um I also think we're just struggling to find our identity and like our style of play (laughs) And I don't know what it's going to be, but, like, someone needs to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's it's kind of struggling for me in general because I've been watching soccer for a while now. And I kind of agree, right, that, like, sometimes we're – we don't focus enough on creating the right chances and that style of play. And now that I'm learning more about fitness, it's like, okay, if I coach a team one day – I'm going to have them doing um, hip exercises. We're going to be sprinting all the time. We're going to be doing like interval training, things like that. But you also have to have time for technical training as well. And it's, 
it's kind of difficult to balance the two, don't you think? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've like talked to a lot of kids and it sounds like not a lot of focus is being put on technical training either. Um, and I think it's so easy to kind of weave that in practice. I mean, it could be a 20 minute warm up, just doing passing first touch or just one V one creativity moves uh, with or without pressure. Um, I don't think we're limited for time at all. There's, there's so many ways to incorporate that into training. Yeah. I also think it's a, it's a matter of culture because I'm, I'm not from the U S I'm from Haiti and the way we grew up playing soccer is like in a little corridor, which is very narrow. And then you're playing one V one and then you, it's a tiny space and you have to work around trying to dribble past your player in a tiny space. And I think that we lack in that aspect a little bit because um, I feel like kids should, they should start kids with playing futsal, like really tiny nets mm-hmm. so that they, they're forced to actually create. That's one of the things that I don't see because everything is just so organized. Yeah. The kids are learning organized soccer from day one. There are pros and cons to it as well, but I think, you know, just like they do in Europe, um, mm-hmm. have some session, some futsal session where it's like very tiny, tiny space and then you're playing with a lot of people. So force kids to take a dribble just to see what it's like. And we're also not spending yeah. a lot of money. We're not in putting a lot of money in soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And our last question comes from another listener that I have here. Um, we probably both go through this right now, actually. A lot of our friends are getting, they're getting kind of old, right? They're going into their 30s and 40s and 50s. And That's me. they, they want to know, how do I maintain my health as a recreational player um, getting older? And how can I stay active and be engaged in the sport? Mm-hmm. I... I don't think the the training should change too much now that we're all older and maybe out of our competitive years. Um, We should still be strengthening our bodies. Uh, We should be running our sprints. Uh, We should be conditioning uh, because otherwise those, those pickup leagues or those co-ed games are going to be very hard and there's just going to be so much more chance of injury Um, because sometimes those are just as competitive and they might be even a little bit more rough because people just like might not be as skilled and it's just more physical. So just to train in a way you did when you, when you were competitive. So don't, don't lose that edge. Just keep training. Yeah. That's good. It's good advice. People don't train. It's like, they keep telling me life gets in the way. You know, I, it's, it comes back to you make time what's important for you. And I'm sure everybody knows that their own body's important, but maybe they don't know the extent to which it actually is. And it's up to us, like, you know, physical therapy students, strength and conditioning people, coaches. It's on us to kind of educate who we're involved with on a daily basis to say, yes, you can still be involved, but you have to stay healthy. And this is why. And mm-hmm. here are the benefits. And here's what's going to happen if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know a guy who just recently tore, he's about 30 years old. He just tore his ACL in a co-ed game. And before then he wasn't doing any strength training. Um, and he doesn't believe in strength training. And I was wow. like, we well, got to understand. 
yeah, I was like, well, you got to understand like why this injury happened and you need to change something. Otherwise re-injury can occur. So um, like you said, it's just about educating and, and letting people know how to, to stay healthy. Do you, do you play in a pickup, in a pickup game, in a pickup league? I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you, get, you get these questions a lot, right? So you come in after the game, people start asking you questions about, oh, my knee hurts, <laughs> my ankle hurts, what should I Sometimes, do? Sometimes, yeah. I'm I'm like warming up my team. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, nice. I get this question all the time, Andy. Like after the game, people say, hey, my, my, my leg hurts. My, my Achilles hurts. You know, what should I do? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, you should see some of the pictures and videos people send me of their issues going on. But it's a topic <laughs> for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Erica, so much for joining yeah. us on part two. Um, you have some pretty cool stuff coming out, right? You're doing some online training right now, and you have an ebook coming out soon. Can you tell us a little bit more, more about those? Yeah. So the, the online training, it's it's ongoing. Um, I am still uh, taking on clients who who want to improve their strength and conditioning for soccer. Um, I mainly am working with a handful of youth athletes right now, and it's the programs are very customized. So just based on what your goals are, um, I design the program accordingly and have weekly check-ins. And then as far as my book, it's coming out in November and it's on everything youth soccer fitness training. So how to improve speed, improve strength, uh, reduce chance of injury and to train kids in a safe manner. And it's going to be mainly directed towards middle school athletes. So ages 11 to 14 and like the books, that. the books for strength coaches, coaches, and even parents, um, and there's going to be a ton of videos and drills. Um, it's like over 150 pages of text. So <laughs> it yeah. should, should be uh, super useful for everyone in the soccer community. Super excited for that to come out. And can you remind the listeners one more time of your Instagram handle and your website? Yep. Uh, Instagram handle is Fit Soccer Queen. Uh, I post a lot of my videos there. Um, and then my blog is www.air.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, to our listeners so out there, be sure to follow her. She has some great content, guys. I am not underselling her at all. You will be <laughs> highly impressed. Um, but be sure to follow the Fantasy Doctors on all social media platforms as well. Uh, my social media handle is at the football physios, football with the U. And Berg, what's your handle? I'm on. The, I'm at the Soccer Obsessed on YouTube and Instagram. Please check me out. Yeah, and once again, five star review, guys. We yes. really, really need it. <laughs> yes, please. All right, thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.